0: Your thoughts on T-boosters, because I know Tony and I have talked about the various tea boosters that are being promoted online, and also different forms of creatine. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So the T-boosters, you know, this is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, look, it's, it's like a, in, this was like 10 years ago. It was a $2 billion industry, and yeah. I think it's just higher, you know, so now it's, it's even higher in the, in the last uh, few years. And, you know, you have things like the traditional tribulus, you have the fenugreek, you have the zinc, the maca, the ashwanda. Uh, and then you have the, the toncat Alley. So you have a bunch of these different types, uh, recent meta-analysis just kind of shows is, okay, you know, there's, there, there's, uh, they, they looked at all of these different, uh, supplements there that, that are, that are used, but they, they have a few caveats. So, uh, one they say is like, well, first of all, there's not enough evidence that any of them really work, um, uh, in, for, in, in, in large part. Um, and then, a couple of them don't even have like an established like mechanism of action, which to me is kind of like fundamental, right? Like, okay, well, if it does this, like, how does it do that physiologically? Yeah. Show me, show me the pathway in which it, it it creates this increase in testosterone or increase, or maybe increases your free testosterone. Uh, and a lot of them don't even have that, that mechanistic component there in in when you actually read the the literature. But uh, the, the other things that we, that we actually see as well is, uh, a lot of them have multi ingredients, so it's hard to kind of put it on one ingredient. Um, the meta analysis specifically said there's anywhere from like eight to up to fifty ingredients in there. So 50? you really can't fifty <laughs> five zero So you really can't say it's just fenugreek or it's just the tribulus because you have all these other things that are working in there. And of course, you never know with these supplements because they're not necessarily tested. So. Is it really just those ingredients, or did they mm-hmm. that they put maybe uh, you know uh, an anabolic pro hormone in there before right. that that maybe does increase it because it's a pro hormone, or maybe a, an actual even you know a, I read one study a while back where some 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 supplements were laced with like small dosages of dianabol. It's like yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting I'm getting jacked at all this. It's like well yeah, you're taking dianabol. <laughs> I think the animal is
2: pretty cheap, so that would make sense too. I think it would go back to cost-effectiveness, but that would be effective.
1: Yeah. So when when you see it, I I really just see uh you know it's I I I just look at it with a with a with caution. The other thing is the toxicity of some of these have not been really studied, so we don't know what some of the potential side effects are. Uh, and, and some of them do have these side effects um, without any of the real benefits. So you're basically getting side effects of doing like anabolic steroids without the same benefit and so to me it's like
0: if you're going to you know, do it might as well just you know try to try to take the real thing if you're gonna yeah, I'm, real, it. I'm real hesitant at ever giving someone advice on taking these herbs because i think you hit the nail on the head that mechanistically it's like i always well you ask the same questions like well okay let's say it does what it does but how does it do it and there's no mechanism of action. And I think that's what's really problematic for me. It's it's like, you know, I tell people, hey, if you want to try it, try it. But, you know, it seems like these things sort of, they have a life cycle. They show up and they become real popular. Then they disappear. Yeah. And then someone else promotes it. And it's like, holy crap. Now I'm getting questions about the same stuff, you know, that I was getting 10 years ago. Who knows? Someone might start asking me about, you know, uh, ferulic acid or something. I don't know if you remember <laughs> ferulic acid. Or no, my favorite. Did you ever try Smilax? Oh yeah, smiling. I remember that. It was like sublingualers. Or... Yes,
1: yes, yes. I, I even bought it when I was like twenty-some years ago. Yeah, it's like, like we tried all this stuff. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get ripped. Just watch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it, it's funny how this stuff just sort of comes full circle. Um, oh, your thoughts on the different forms of creatine? Yeah, so we we did a a really cool uh, study, a little different approach
1: to some of them. But we we went on Amazon.com and we are interested in seeing it's like, hey, like how many alternative forms of creatine are sold on on Amazon.com? So uh, we we did a search. uh, We we literally just went on Amazon on a particular date and then we just put creatine and just saw saw all the products that, that came out. Uh, you know, that that were just call themselves creatine. And, and then uh, we actually found I took a few notes, 175 different creatine supplements, 16 different forms of creatine were oh, wow. actually in there. So, you know, we have like your creatine ethyl ester, we have the creatine serum, we have the creatine nitrate, creatine citrate, uh, all different sorts of blend. my favorite brand, I have to remember, was called creatin Creatine. And and the way that they marketed themselves is and differentiate was because they they have 10 forms of creatine, making it the most effective, right? (laughs) (laughs) Creatine. God forbid
0: it was Crea 9. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was, uh, but... Uh, really, we we found we did an, an analysis of you know, what's the cost per gram, um, and then of course the the cost per gram for creatine monohydrate supplements is like twelve cents per gram, whereas for the alternative forms of creatine it's about twenty six cents per gram. So, uh, and the evidence you know kind of shows you know when you look through it is uh, creatine monohydrate still the gold standard. You know, there's there's really not going to be um, uh, currently there's nothing, no evidence showing that anything else is, is better than the creatine monohydrate. And, and that being said, I always, I always kind of put an asterisk less to that. So just because, just because something is not better than today, doesn't mean that there's not something that's going to be better than at some point in time. Right. So right. I think it's still because creatine still has some limitations. We're looking at some of the brain research now and we see, okay, it, it doesn't cross the, the blood brain barrier as well, uh, as certain other things, uh, or not as certain other things, but as, as well, at the, the the levels of creatine content in the brain aren't aren't quite as high uh, when you take creatine monohydrate. You see some, a lot of non responders in that. So, are there other potential forms that may do it? You know, maybe maybe not. Uh, a, right now, I I always kind of leave a you know a, a an open statement kind of that scientific lens of you know just because that's it today doesn't mean that that's going to be it forever. We have to keep an open mind and, and keep investigating further. To see what what things show, uh, but ultimately, you know, that's kind of what we found. You know, uh, most of them had very limited evidence in terms of uh, there was just either very few publications or no publications uh, on uh, scientific publications on these particular uh, forms. And uh, and again, I, I kind of just earmarked that again. Where again, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It just means we need to look further and see if there's other potential forms that maybe at some point uh, will work. One that's interesting to me is the guanidino acetic acid which is the creatine mm-hmm. precursor um and uh uh Dr. Ostajek has been doing a lot of work in that for the last few years and uh, there's actually some pretty cool evidence uh to to show that uh, hey there's there's some promise there and uh, particularly when it comes to the uh the the brain creatine uh with that. But there's a lot of toxicity stuff that kind of needs to be, you know, hammered out uh before that. And there are some products that are that are coming out uh with that of course it takes a little longer to raise muscle cre- or blood creatine content because it, it's got to convert it in the body uh, it's got to get methylated so it's right. a little bit different um in rather than the creatin monohydrate um so yeah that one's that one's actually pretty interesting and i read another interesting study on creatine nitrate plus hmm. creatinine uh and dr osage actually did this study too what you said creatin nitrate plus Plus creatinine. creatinine. Yeah. So the study it had, um, it had a creatinine, a creatine nitrate group. It had a creatine nitrate plus creatinine group. And then I can't remember if it had placebo or a creatine group. I can't remember what the third group was, but they actually compared, uh, the, uh, the effects of this stuff. And, and, uh, the, the, they actually wrote a little paragraph. They, they don't understand the mechanism, but they actually hypothesized that Creatine can potentially turn back to creatine. Exactly. It's not necessarily a, a you know a bite a, a a waste product per se. Uh, so the article is actually pretty intriguing. It just came out a, a couple of years ago, and uh, and it actually had you know similar effects to the to the to the creatine monohydrate group, I believe. So that was a pretty interesting study.
0: Yeah, that's not one I would have ever thought of. Um, and the brain stuff is fascinating. It really, yeah, it really is. And I think maybe we need higher doses for. You know, getting it into the brain, perhaps. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why the,
1: the guanidino acetic acid in brain creatine is, is quite unique because, uh, you know, it needs to cross the blood brain barrier, but the brain can obviously produce its own creatine, but maybe it could use the guanidino acetic acid. Uh, and that can cross the blood brain barrier. And then it methylates maybe in the brain. I mean, I'm just throwing hypotheses out there. I don't know, but uh, we, it's, these are all potential things that I think, Hey, there, there could be something there, you know, yeah. to see, to see where it goes. There was one study that, that actually did see that GAA was actually better than creatine monohydrate at crossing the blood brain barrier. So that was pretty interesting, but that's only one study. I always say, Hey, just cause it's one study, doesn't mean that it's 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 one study. We got to take it, it's all a piece of the puzzle, right? We got to, exactly same thing, even once study is negative, doesn't mean it doesn't work either. You know, it's like, it's just another piece of the puzzle. We got to look at it in
0: different ways. Absolutely, absolutely. Tony, you have any final comments before we let uh, Dr. Escalante? Uh...
2: Well, no, just some really fascinating information. I, I think you touched upon a lot of things that we've been wondering, uh, The you know, particularly in where we started, the potential causes of death in the bodybuilders, and uh, I am very surprised that they, you know, the expedited atherosclerosis and atherogenesis is occurring so quickly, but um, really good insight, uh, very interesting, and it and it leads us to some of the, you know, maybe, if nothing else, Guillermo, the some of the ways we can behave, uh, you know, or practices bodybuilders can take to mitigate this even in the presence of super physiological dosing, right? And I think that would be helpful, like looking at the lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle for the bodybuilder, tough to achieve with all that training and high dosing, but maybe there are preventative measures that need to be considered while doing both, whether it's low intensity cardio for the heart itself or the left ventricle, who knows, but Fantastic stuff. Uh, I found this really interesting.
0: Yeah, Guillermo, this is great. Uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. It was a fascinating conversation. I yeah. love this stuff. And, uh, you know, we could have talked forever, but I uh, got to let you go. And uh, I do want to make one crass commercial message to promote the ISSN conference, June 15 to 17, Fort Lauderdale Beach. It's right on the beach. So if you're listening to this, make sure you come to the ISSN conference. The three of us will be there. So otherwise, gentlemen, Thank you and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me.